Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number, I'm not sure what number it is because I don't know when I'm going to put this up. But why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, sweetie, is what? Uh, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. There you go. Um, on today's show is a Friday show, which means that we're speaking with somebody whom we love. This is a conversations with people we love. And we have a friend slash coworker of mine. I have a whole different life. I work for a company called JVI and I know all these people. Yeah. Some people who listen to the show, they don't know that Todd has a whole nother like world of work. So um, her name is Roxana DeLouis. Roxana, welcome. Thank you. Um, how many podcasts have you been on this week? Zero. So how many podcasts have you been in your whole life? Zero. Oh, okay. So this isn't new for you. Yes. So um, I spoke with, I've known Roxana for, I don't know, five, I'll call it five years. It could be 10. It could be three. I don't know. And we were talking and I was overhearing her t- telling a story and it was an interesting story to me. And it was how you got to this country. And to be honest with you, Roxana, I don't remember all the details. I just remember being fascinated by the details. So I said to myself, if there was only a platform that I was a part of <laughs> where we can have this story be told on a to a greater audience. So here we are on the podcast doing this. So um, first of all, where are you from? I was born in Iran. Iran. And how old are you? I am 32. 32 years old. And what do you do for a living? I'm a structural engineer. How many structural engineers that are females that you know? We were just talking about that. About a dozen. About a dozen (laughs) versus the hundreds in our industry. We were in this pre-stress concrete institute industry, and it's a male-dominated field. I was just saying to Roxana upstairs, it was just so nice to see a woman because I go to events with Todd a lot, and or he's been in this line of work for 20-something years, and even I know all the women. Meaning that's what we're just talking about. That we know there's only a handful, but the rest are men. Right, mm-hmm. and hopefully we can start turning that tide mm-hmm. a little bit because there's a little bit of imbalance. You think? So you're 32 years old. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a sister who's two years older than me, and I have a brother who's six years older than me. Okay, so I don't really know where to start. So let's, in the words of James Lipton, let's begin at the beginning. Yes. You were born in Iran. 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 Did I pronounce that wrong? The first time you did. Yes. Okay. I have a joke about that. Let's hear it. I do, I, it's not I ran because I never ran. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's not that funny. But no. I say that and people are like, what? <laughs> but it's the way we remember that. Right. So it's then it's not Iran. I ran. I feel it's like it's a, Jimmy, it's a Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan thing from when there were hostages there. Well, and that's why this is so important. Yeah. Because that's... I was just I was just thinking about words like immigrant and Iran and and how words carry an energy if people don't really understand yeah. if they don't have like a full perspective if they only have like a piece of history or they only have heard negative things yeah. then they don't get the full picture that there's beautiful people in every country there everywhere. sure is and that's one of the awarenesses that we want to bring here because to your point kind of what you're just saying sweetie is that you know people kind of some people have a picture in their head of what an immigrant is or mm-hmm. what it, an immigrant looks like or what their story is. And there's immigrants from all over the world. And it just so happens I was lucky enough to run into Roxanne and um, she told me her story. So she's going to share some of her story today. So you were born, uh, you're 32 years old and you were born in Iran. How, Iran. Iran. <laughs> How long uh, did you live in Iran for? Um, I was about... 13, almost 14 when my family and I left. Um, and your family composition is whom? My mother, who rescued us, my sister, and my brother left probably about three months after that. And um, my dad at the time was um, in jail because he did business with some shady people, let's call it, mm-hmm. and it turned into this political thing where they... Um, had no leverage, so they started making it. Um, they, they basically is, accused him of stealing their money and giving it to all these political people that are outside of Iran who are against the Iranian government. So it became, he became a political prisoner in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, and so at the time, we were all afraid for our lives basically they took everything that he owned they confiscated all of his properties and then my mom 
sold everything she owned and basically got us on a plane and we went to Germany. Mm. So your dad was still in jail. Correct. Your mom sells all her possessions in order to pay for a flight to get you guys to Germany. Correct. Um, was there, were there any issues getting out of the country? Yes. So my my mom's siblings, my mom's sisters um, live in Germany. And we used to go to Germany pretty much every summer um, to visit them. And so the easiest thing for us was for my aunt to send us an invitation, a formal invitation, and for us to get legitimate visas to go to, to Germany, um, which was the path we had started with. And then she went to the embassy to get our passports back, and they had crossed out the visas mm. after they had already issued it. So that made it even scarier that somewhere our names were out there on a no-flight list or somebody decided they didn't want to let us out. So she paid for the visas more than she paid for the tickets. Interesting. Mm. And um, at the time, with the exchange rate of the time, she spent about a million dollars. What? Oh, my gosh. No joke. How, how did she even get access to that? Her house. Yeah, she sold everything. Yeah. This is your mom or your mom's sister? My mom. Your mom. Holy cow. Yeah. So your mom spent somewhere in the range of a million U.S. dollars to get her family out of the country. And the reason you guys were leaving was because your dad was in jail? Yes. And were you and, afraid for your life? Yeah, or there yeah was no absolutely. Life? We were afraid that they were going to take even the house my mom had and that we were going to be homeless. And who knows what they were going to do to us. And my brother was older. He was, I believe, 18 at the time. And so... I don't know. Nobody, nobody knew what was going to happen. And the only choice, like I was, I was too young to understand what was even happening. I was completely clueless of what all the issues were at the time. All I was told, pack your bags. We're leaving in a week. So did you have a normal childhood up until when you were 13? I had more than a normal childhood. What do you mean? Um, I had everything that a person can ever even imagine wanting or needing. A mom and dad who loved them. Yeah. Loved you. Uh, roof over your head. More than a roof over my head. Wealthy, right? Wealthy. Mm-hmm. Very wealthy. Uh, Europe trips every summer um, to see the family or they coming to us. Um, trips every vacation time, every holiday. We were out by the beach house and and then... All of a sudden, we're not only poor, we're almost homeless, and the government's after us. Wow. So wow. it's so easy to skip over that, but emotionally, how did you deal with that? I didn't even know what to feel at the time. I was not even processing it. Like, was I your mom crying all the time? Uh, like, probably at night. Yeah. You know, she... Did she you prob- see your dad? No. So once they determined, the, the government determined that he was no longer, or he was a political prisoner, he no longer um, could have visitors. Mm-hmm. So I I don't remember the last time I saw him while we were still in Iran. Um, I want to say it was probably six months to a year before we left mm-hmm. was the last time I saw him. And uh, yeah, we we just packed our things. We packed a bag so, and we left. So mom, sister, brother, and you all bailed. Right. To Germany. Correct. So, the- so growing up, um, did you speak, You uh, what what language do they speak in Iran? Farsi. Farsi. And did you Iran. speak? Iran. Iran. Mm-hmm. What did I say? You said Iran again. No, I didn't. Did did he or am I wrong? <laughs> I think you did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm used Iran. to it. I know. I'm sure. And, um, and, and I'm I don't only... even hear it most of the time anymore. <laughs> and neither do we. And the only reason I'm correcting you, Katad, no, is no, not I'm to be. No, no, I'm glad you are. But it's it, it's important that we say it right. I know. Because I then know. we pass on the I message know. of I hear you. So respect. thank you for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Did you speak any other languages growing up? No. Okay, so you get to Germany. Then what happens? Then we um, were, well, we, we initially stayed at my aunt's house, but she had a small house at the time, and so we were overcrowding the area, and she has three children. So we were kindly removed from their house. Kindly, I like that. Um, and we were to a different city where one of my mom's friends lived, and from there we declared our refugee status. And uh, within two days, I think, we were put on a train and sent to a town in eastern parts of Germany called Chemnitz. 
which is where a very large refugee camp is. I think still is. It's one of the largest cities in the eastern um, parts of Germany. And then from there, we moved to two different camps after that uh, until we were stationed at our last camp. Did you know you were, were a refugee when you left Iran? Um, no, I don't think I really realized how that worked. Okay. I didn't. My mom may have known. Okay. And, and what's a camp like? So they were they were very different. Each of them was very different. So the first one was the first camp is a very temporary camp. Uh, so there's a lot of people from all over the world. Mm. There were two, I want to say, six-story buildings, like kind of like dormitories. And then there was another building where uh, it was like the cafeteria. So it was very much like a, um, I don't know, maybe boot camp in a way where you the, every meal is scheduled. And mm-hmm. if you're there, you get it. If you don't, then you don't. You have to be, you have curfew. You have to be back at the camp by a certain time. Um, so things like that. So you actually get um, this card or this um, identification card, I guess. And if you're walking around town or I, I keep saying if it's then obviously I don't know if it is the same way right now or not. But at the time, like you would any any cop, whether it was traffic cop or immigration cop, any kind of cop could ask you for that paper. Mm-hmm. And you were not allowed to be outside of what they called your Christ, which is your circle. And that was a 30 kilometer circle that you had to be in. Mm. So you were not allowed to cross this uh, imaginary circle or... Wow. And the reason that's just containment? I'm trying to find Maybe the right control. word. control. I don't control? know. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, I, I don't really know what the real reason is, but um, I do know that we were allowed to leave under certain circumstances, we actually had to so can you go ask visit for your aunt permission. And stuff like that? We had to ask for permission, mm-hmm. and if the permission was granted, then you had a separate piece of paper that gave you that um, basically permission slip in a way. So if you were asked for your IDs, you had to give that with it so that they. And it was to a specific location. It's not like you were allowed to go anywhere. It mm-hmm. was. We're going to this specific location. This is where we're going to be for a week. Mm. And I, if I remember correctly, we were allowed to do that twice a year. Got mm. it. Um, Which isn't a lot. No. <laughs> no. So it was like Christmas. We would go back to my aunt's. and So like all the friends you had, forget about them. You oh, they wrote me letters. They did? Every week. Oh, I wow. still have them. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. So I had, what was life like? I mean, did it suck? Was it like, hey, oh, this is the way sucked. it is? Of course it sucked. I mean, we had... Um, my. So this is when reality started to kick in, I think, for um, my sister and my mom. So my brother couldn't leave for another three months. So he was still in Iran waiting for his paperwork to be ready. So it was my sister, my mom, and I. And... The first camp was very crowded, very dirty. You had uh, to share a bathroom with a lot of other people from all over the world. You don't know you don't know anything about them. I mean, it's it it was very and then you have to also put that in perspective, right? You, from where we came, it was a complete 180 degree mm-hmm. difference. Um and because you were privileged growing up right exactly so and it was it was just more of a shock and Mm -hmm. is this okay can i go to the bathroom here is uh, is something going to happen to me Mm -hmm. or no this is normal this is the norm outside of your world you Mm -hmm. know um so it was very difficult to really digest that but at the same time i think everything was happening so quickly that i personally don't remember how i felt at the time Mm -hmm. Um, I do remember that I saw my mom starting to get depressed. I saw my sister starting to get depressed. Um, and I, that's all I really remember. Did you start to get depressed? I don't think I did. Not initially anyway. Mm. Um, I think that I was still too young and I was still very hopeful that, um, everything was going to work out just fine. Um, all I wanted to do was go to school Um, and 
I just I just wanted to like start a new life, I guess. Did you go to school? Not for a while. So from Chemnitz, we went to another camp and then we went to the last camp. And that took probably about four months, I think, if I remember correctly, from the first day to when we got to the last camp. And at the at that time, um, I was I was really tired of not going to school, obviously, because I basically missed the rest of the year in school. And when we moved, it was Christmas time. It was actually New Year's Day when we moved from Iran. And so I basically missed that entire um, semester. So I really wanted to try to get to school the following year. So we actually, so none of us spoke German. And um, at the camp that we were in, there was an Iranian lady who spoke well German. And so she was doing a lot of translations for the rest of the refugees there. So she took us to the refugee services. And when I asked them about school, I got turned down because they told me that I was a guest in their country and that I wasn't allowed mm. to go mm. to school. And the the fact that I didn't speak German was an issue. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I could fix one of those two things. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I I studied. I studied every day, 10 hours a day, and I learned how to speak German. And I went back two months later without a translator. Mm. And I basically told them that if they didn't send me to school, I was going to be very mad. <laughs> and you were like 13 and a half, 14 yes. by then. So yes. how does one learn a language? Did you have a teacher? No. You had books. I had books. I had the TV and oh. I had the radio. Yeah. So I would listen to the radio. There was there was one um, guy in our camp, an Iranian guy, who helped me a lot. Um, and he had been there probably six months or so before we got there. So he had, he had a head start in a way. So he told me that radio was probably the the best way because or well TV on the radio because TV you can see the action so you can interpret. The radio, if you can understand what they say on the radio, then you know that you've learned it because mm-hmm. you don't see them. Mm-hmm. So that was my goal, was that I was ab- I would be able to listen to the radio and understand what they're saying. So I had books, I had the TV, I had the radio, and I had a schedule every day. I had a journal, and I would write, this is what I'm doing from this time to this time. And I would, I would write my journal in German mm-hmm. because that was another way to practice. So, um, it took about two to three months for me to get comfortable enough um, to go back and say, and what they say, they couldn't refuse it. I know they're like, okay, all of our reasons. I don't know. I feel like we need to take a pause because I think most people would be like, well, yeah, I can't speak German and I got to figure something else out. Whereas you're like, okay, well I can learn that language. And I don't know. I I think that is a pretty interesting, I don't know, your personality is just so like, all right, I'm in, let's do this. Would you, or would you not say that that is, you are are the exception to the rule? Maybe. I don't know. Um, 10 hours a day. I think I might be the exception in some ways. I I don't think I'm the exception in a general way because, um, Everybody else was doing the same thing. Essentially, they mm-hmm. weren't so eager to go to school yeah. as much as I was. I, Wh- I was where always did you like, get that from? Why did I don't you... know. I was. I've always loved school. Mm. I've always loved learning, and um, I remember when I was a kid, um, my siblings had um, tutors, and I remember my parents fighting about that and paying for tutors all the time, and that really like, um, I don't know. That did something to me that I can't even explain but i was like if i want my mom and dad to be happy i better go to school right. and i better do well at school so um that's that i think stuck with me and um i've always loved going to school and learning and so you found yourself in a german school and you're are you in high school no so they the system the school system there is a little bit different um, and I wasn't quite at high school level yet, mm-hmm. so it was basically middle school. But they also have they have um, 
Hauptschule, which is the bare minimum um, schooling that everyone has to do, and that goes to ninth grade. And then they have Realschule, which is which goes to tenth grade, and then from there you do um, these technical schooling, basically, or um, vocational schools. And then they have Gymnasium, which is our regular. Um, I guess high school, and then you go to university from there. So the school, so they 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 let me go to school. However, they put me in the lowest um, bare minimum school system that they have, which at the time I didn't know. I just and I didn't care. Yeah, I just wanted to go to school. And while I was studying um, at at the camp, my sister, my mom sent my sister to one of my aunt's houses. So there's three there's three of them there. Um, so she went and stayed with my cousins, basically in the black market, so to speak, because we weren't allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. And she went and took classes there. Um, and then she came back basically about the same time that we were supposed to go to school. So we both ended up being able to go to school. Fantastic. And what was the, the makeup of the kids there? Obviously, kids who, you know, from Germany, but was, were the, was it diverse? Nope. So you stood out. Yes, everybody saw us as the foreigners mm-hmm. and as the not really even immigrants as as the um outsiders. Mm. And uh this is when I started to lose hope. Mm. Um is the name callings mm-hmm. and the 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 emotional torture mm-hmm. that I went through and my sister went through and I I feel like there there was definitely times where they would say something and my sister may not have picked up on what they were saying and I would get so angry and just go over there and be like don't bully my sister Mm. and I don't know sometimes she probably didn't even pick up on it but I had the ear for certain words Mm. um, because I feel like I, I you know studying the way I did I learned a lot more than she did. Um, and so I, I would pick up on it and I would just get so angry. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we had class together. Sometimes um, we didn't. So I, I'd go home by myself some days and there was not a single day I went home alone not crying. Mm. It was... Um, I'm getting kind of emotional. Yeah, understood. We usually have Kleenex here because we get emotional too. <laughs> um and there was there was this kid in my class who uh, was actually not intellectually very um what's the word gifted smart sure mm-hmm. yes and she i sat next to her i was assigned a seat next to this girl and she was so mean to me mm. and it was interesting because obviously i was i was stronger in math and sciences mostly because you don't need the language to, uh, you know, help you go through those kinds of courses. And then when it came to like German or literature and um, history, if I didn't understand the teacher and I I would ask her a question, she'd be like, I don't know, go ask the teacher, you know, mm-hmm. just comments like that. And no, I'm not going to help you. Or I don't care if you don't understand things like that, that really like, as a 14-year-old, you don't understand why mm-hmm. somebody is mean to you like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't ever recall being bullied at school before, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I was not I was not one of the ones who, who got bullied. Mm-hmm. I never bullied anybody either, so I never understood why a person would be like that. I always helped whoever needed help. I, I always needed help, I felt like, right. you know? And then when it came to math... Definitely math. She couldn't understand anything. And I always try to help her. And she, the interesting thing was that she wasn't even the popular kid in the class. She mm. was the least popular person in the class. And maybe that's why she picked on me, because I became the least popular right. person in class. She took her pain that she felt out on you. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And so um, that went on for a while. And then um, I think there were a couple of other students in my class who finally kind of came around and they were nice to me and um I started hanging out with them a little bit more and um they try to help me throughout the school after that um but it was it was awful so how many years does this 
Sorry for the interruption, folks, but here's a few other ways you can connect with ZPR. Want to find a community of like-minded parents? Join Team Zen. It's an interactive podcast. U.S. questions live, and we answer. We have a private Facebook page. We offer special discounts on certain events. There's really no commitment for you. You just show up when you can. If you miss, no problem. We'll send out a recording so you can listen slash watch whenever you want. Uh, Number two, uh, guys, do you feel stuck in one aspect of your life? No worries. I am a life coach, and I specialize in working with men. I'll help you get from point A, where you are, to point B, where you want to go. We can meet face-to-face, on the phone, or Skype. The first session is free. Ladies, need some one-on-one attention? Kathy's here to help. She offers individual sessions for women in Chicagoland. She focuses on women's self-awareness, marriage, and parenting, and she also works with therapists and coaches who want support on supervision with their existing practice. Want to get inspired and meet your tribe in person? March 2nd and 3rd is our third annual Zen Parenting Conference. Our keynote speakers are Cheryl Strayed, the author of the book Wild, Mike Domish from the Date Safe Project, and Orly Waba from the Life Vest Inside. We once again will be bringing parents, teachers, and authors, bloggers, and teens. It's a great way to network and find your tribe. And by the way, if you have a business and you're interested in partnering with us at the conference, Email me at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. And don't forget, if you're a, van, a fan of ZPR, you need to get Kathy's award-winning book, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. You can find her book on our website, or you can go to Amazon. And lastly, if you're looking for a keynote or a presenter, Kathy and I speak to groups, either individually or together. We focus on self-awareness, mindfulness, compassion, marriage, parenting, and how to live a more conscious life. For all this stuff, you can go to zenparentingradio.com and you can check it out. We appreciate you and we're thankful for your support. Now, on with the show. But it was it was awful. So how many years does this, are you in the German schools for? So I finished that year and I was the and the I was the only person in that class who actually passed the grade. Wow. And but they didn't give me any um uh report cards because I was still a guest. So that didn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um but they decided to move the whole class up because they really had no way of like they they couldn't keep them in 8th grade. So everybody bumped up to ninth grade together. And um, I think in the beginning of the second year, which was the ninth grade, I, my family, my, my brother actually, um, had been given notice to be deported back to Iran mm. and we were running out of options and we learned about a program that the U S government had for certain Iranian refugees in Germany who couldn't get get residency there. And we qualified to apply. Mm. So my mom and my brother were just like, we're on this. We're going to do this. We can't stay here. And we certainly can't live in the camp this long. And um, so they started working towards that. And they, um, we, I think sometime in... I want to say October time frame, we went to an interview with the U.S. government in Frankfurt and they sat us down. They talked to us about what happened to us in Iran. Why were we in Germany? Why would we want to migrate to the U.S.? And um, what happens if we don't get this uh, immigration status worked out? And they deliberated for a few hours, came back, called us in, said, all right, you're in. Oh my gosh. I was scared there for a minute. And I already know you're here, but I had this moment of like, oh my gosh, were you guys like? Yeah, we were beside ourselves. We didn't know even what to do at that point. And they were like, okay, take these paperwork, go to this uh, hospital, get your blood checked and get this vaccine and get that vaccine and um, wait for us to send you more information. What was your impression of the United States at that point? Um. It's better than Germany because all Germans want to go. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. All Germans want to go to the U.S.? Well, that was the impression I had. Really? Okay. Yeah. Especially where we were, you know, in uh, the... So the 
the parts of Germany where we lived, it's very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was still, you know, the, the wall obviously had been down mm-hmm. um, for a while, for over 10 years. But the mentality was still there totally. and very poor country. It, it was still its own country. Uh, in a way, I guess that's how I look were at you in it. The eastern part or the western part? Eastern part. Oh, you were okay. Yeah, all the way east. Okay. Um, and we were in this tiny little town um, where you know there was this refugee camp, of about two hundred, two hundred fifty people, and then everybody else was a native, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody that I came across with in my school, the the kids, they always talked so highly of us and so for me it was like wow we're, we get to go to us and the girl who used to make fun of me simone she was gonna flip maybe she's out. listening right now what would you like to say to simone <laughs> <laughs> nothing nice sorry i'm not i'm not even gonna go there we do have international like, <laughs> listeners and maybe she has some kids and maybe she's listening to zen parenting well, you know but i she hope she's envious. a better person today than she was then that's all me too um, so yeah, I, I, the gravity of everything is, it's just so easy to take the say, say, oh, well then we got this interview and right. it wasn't nearly. No, I mean, I'm not giving you yeah. enough emotion about it because yeah. it's such a long process. How and long story. were you in Germany for before you got the interview to possibly move to the United States? Um, I guess it was about 20 months, 18 months. Okay. And then, so they say, go to the hospital, get some blood work done and wait for us to call you. Basically, wait for us to give you instructions, more instructions. And how long did it take for them to do something? I think it took um, between the time we actually applied and the time we actually flew out from Frankfurt, it took six months. Okay. And where do you fly to? We flew here. Chicago? To Chicago. Well, we had a stop here, but oh, this did. was the first uh, place that we... Did you speak English? No. My my brother spoke a little bit. Like he was able to say things like, I don't know, we're looking for my bag or, mm. you know, broken English. The I basics. Can't, yeah, I can't even go do broken because <laughs> I don't know what he would have said. Right. But um, yeah, so we landed in Chicago and we had to go through customs and immigration. And that took so long that we missed our flight to Denver. Mm. And um, we then took the next flight out. We got to Denver. Nobody was there to pick us up which was very scary, and my mom started to cry. Because <laughs> what do you do? Right. I mean, do you, right. Do you know where you're going to live? No. We... It's just, here's no. Denver. So there was supposed to be someone from the refugee services in Denver uh, picking us up, and I don't think that they realized that we missed our flight, right. and maybe they went home. Um, so my brother, with his broken English... Um, found a way to try to uh, call them. And uh, we actually got kind of lucky because the person who was helping us with our luggage was from Afghanistan and he spoke Farsi. Nice. So he and my brother um, went and like they, they tried to page this person who we had the contact information from and turned out that was like the di- director person at the refugee service is not necessarily the person who's supposed to pick us up. Right. Um, but eventually someone came. Well, they, 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 they rented a room for us at the hotel nearby. And then they, we got in the shuttle. And then once we got to the hotel, they finally found this person and told them where we were. And anyways, they came and got us the next day and showed us our place. That and we you're like 15 years old? I was 15, yeah. I turned 16 like two months after that. So I assume because I know your personality, you're like, okay, now it's time to learn English. Yeah. Was it easier (laughs) to learn English than German? I think it was in a way. I I, I guess I still knew more English when I came here than I did German German when I went to Germany. Just because you have to take English in school. Um, So I knew how to say this is the table. Yeah. And that's the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sit down, get up, yeah. things like that. Um, I So it took a couple of days uh, before I actually started to go to school. Um, but they were really good about the, the refugee services in Denver. It was really good about getting us uh, to where we needed to go. They got us our um, 
I-94s right away. They got us our social security cards right away. They found my brother a job within a week or two. Um, They took me to the school nearby and got me registered in classes. So I took, I actually decided to take German. Uh, Because you know it. (laughs) Well, so you have to take second language classes in high school. You have to have a certain number of credits before you graduate. So they asked me about that, and I wasn't going to start French, so (laughs) I took German. It's like, give yourself a break. (laughs) And then I figured if I take German, then I can learn how to speak English from the German class. That's right. Because then I have to do all these translations, and I'm going to just reverse... Yeah, you know, learn that and learn English. So because the ESL course that they uh, they um, assigned or they they put me in was geared towards uh, Spanish speaking students. Exactly. So I was always lost in that mm-hmm. class, and I certainly knew more English than the students in that class. Mm-hmm. So it was very, it wasn't very um, helpful. Mm-hmm. And then my family moved from the original apartment that the refugee services had provided for us. We moved to a, a townhome um, not too far in a better neighborhood. Um, and I went to a completely different school, which was which is actually the second largest high school in uh, the Denver area or wow. Colorado, I think. And so it was extremely diverse. And I actually took another German class to further my English skills, and that was the AP German class, so I couldn't go any further than that. Once yeah. that was done, I would, even though you could have, but you they didn't. Well, have they didn't have anything, yeah. so I had to take French to mm-hmm. to complete my course work, like the credits that I needed. So high school is normal, not normal. I think after going to school in Germany, anything is normal, right? And uh, yeah, absolutely. Was it, it a good experience? I, Were you happy? I I would say I was happy. I oh. had I found a lot of friends. Um, I wasn't the most popular kid. I wasn't even known. I was not the only Iranian or immigrant or brown person right. in the school. Right. It was a very diverse school. How are your mom and your siblings doing? So my mom and my sister also got a job. And my sister should have really been going to school. However, we needed everyone to to work so that we could survive mm-hmm. because we weren't living off of the government or anything like that. So my sister and my mom went to work and my brother was working. So the three of them were, were working while I was going to school. And they basically um, covered everything. Wow. And... Um, yeah. So how did you, so that's, I mean, and again, there's like so many places I want to go, but I want to, how did you, where'd you go to school for, where'd you go to college? I went to CU Denver. So you stayed in Denver. I did. And you, did you know you wanted to be an engineer? I did. So I actually wanted to be an architect mm-hmm. when I was like five. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my, my dad always said, no, you'll be a doctor. I said, no, I, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be an architect. So we had that battle. Um, Iranian parents are known to want their children to either be lawyers or doctors. It's a kind it's of An engineer is like a level down. It's exactly <laughs> what um, the guy who did the big sick, what is his name? Uh, he's on uh, He's on that HBO show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Silicon Valley. Yeah, I know exactly. And Khalil. Khalil, no, not, I, I don't remember what his and name Johnny, is. Johnny, yeah. But he, um, that's exactly what he said. He said, tip top is doctors, mm-hmm. and then below that is lawyers. He was from Pakistan, though. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's Same just, thing. Same thing. Mm-hmm. And then below that is an engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my dad was like, okay, you can be an engineer, but you're going to have to get your PhD. <laughs> He's like, you got to take it all the way. <laughs> you got to do a doctor. Yeah. You got to have that doctor. So were you communicating with your dad? Uh, so my dad was released from jail. Christmas Day, uh, the first Christmas we were in the U.S., which was Christmas of 2001. So a couple years later. he li- Yeah, he called us um, on Christmas Day, and we we just went berserk. Oh, my gosh. And so basically what happened to my dad was that they could not prove what he was being accused of. Um, but at this point, they had already taken all of his mm-hmm. money, all of his properties. But he was a free man mm-hmm. at, at last. So he's 
he's doing well. He's he's still in Iran. He's still in Iran. He has his business back. It's not the same, but neither is uh, anything else in the world. So, mm-hmm. are your parents still married? No, um, my mom actually passed away oh. in two thousand nine, mm. um, and that's uh, another. 20 minute conversation i think yeah. at I least bet. but yeah my my parents actually had to get a divorce when all of this went down mm-hmm. because that was the only way my mom was able to keep her name on the house mm-hmm. um and Got it. so they wouldn't be able to take it mm. um and they never ever lived in the same place again mm-hmm. and so that that yeah so CU Denver, mm-hmm. normal, like, when did you start feeling comfortable speaking English? Like, how long did it take I, you? I, I think it didn't take me very long. Mm. I think I started pretty much within the first three months or so. I, I definitely uh, found some friends and uh, had people to talk to. Um, and I think that the... I don't know everything. The culture, the the people in the in in the U.S. are so different than the area in Germany where we lived and where um, we were in the camp. So I think that I it's it's only been the last year that I felt bad about where I am mm. um, in in the U.S. I think that with everything happening in our world right now, everything that you see on TV everywhere around this country, it's really scary because it's, I've lived here basically almost 17 years now. And for the first time in 17 years, I have the same anxieties I did when I was 14 in that classroom mm. next to Simone. Mm. And, I fear going to certain places or um, I was mountain biking with my boyfriend a few weeks ago and I see uh, the Confederate flag Mm -hmm. in the middle of the mountains and I'm like, what is going on? Let's get out of here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and you never know. You never know if they're just it's a friendly thing or if it's a violent thing. You never know Mm -hmm. with so. I don't know if that's where we were going with that, but that's, I guess, where we just did. And, that makes, and it makes my heart drop just to hear you say that because I totally understand why it's not about, oh, no, that's not the case. It it has. The fact that you could live here as long as you have and that just in the last year, your whole perception of where you live changes, this is a problem. Like the fact that just the word immigrant, we were just talking about this upstairs, has changed, like how we feel about that word. Or refugee. Or refugee, how that has changed and how we don't have a a real perspective. We've created a complete fear-based perspective around those words. And um, that makes me upset for you personally. That makes me upset for um, myself living here because it doesn't have to be that way. You know, it, it because it hasn't always been that way. Right. You know, that's the thing is it's not as if we don't know that we're capable of being more welcoming and open and, you know, it, we are capable of it. Absolutely. I, I No doubt in my mind that this isn't real. Like, I, I guess I shouldn't say it that way, but like I keep thinking to myself, no, the America that I've known for the last yes. 16 years can't change overnight. Correct. Okay. There are people out there that are racist. They that that's understandable. Correct. And you know what I think about um, that helps me when I struggle in these times is because things were so different even two years ago. That's how possible it is to get back to some sanity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If we made this big of a change Change, in the last 18 months, we can conversely make a change in the other direction equal or greater than this most last change. Like there is is a way to... Um, get back if it's get back to where we are, or you know, remember who we are. Because it's like you said, not, not everybody has changed. It's not Correct. like Americans are different. It's not like all of a sudden people have changed innately. But there is a different kind of fear. Yes, I like that you use that word because I think the fear is the issue. Mm-hmm. So, Roxana, what 
questions have I not asked that you wanted to make sure that you use this platform for the better of, you know, how people look at immigrants or refugees or what America's like? Like, what, what, what am I missing? What have I not asked that you wanted to make sure got out there, if anything? I, I do want to make another point before I, I go there. Sorry. But so my brother no longer lives here. My brother chose to go back when things were safe for him to go back. And um, I think that takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of um, self-awareness that people don't understand or people who who think of the word immigrant, they think, oh, all these people come out here and they want to, you know, they, I don't know, maybe they, they want to take our jobs, they want to take our lives, whatever they think. That is just crap mm -hmm. because... Here's an example of an immigrant who went through everything I just talked about, yet he chose to go back because he felt like this life wasn't necessarily for him mm -hmm. and that he could have a better life, a happier life back in Iran. And he chose to do that. And he's ha ha he has a happy life. He has a happy wife and a happy child. Mm. And. He went home. He went home. Yeah. He went home. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I think, and I went home. I went home after my mom passed away because um, at the time I, I lost my job. This was during the recession. Mm -hmm. I lost my job. And five days later, my mom passed away. Oh. And I decided that I needed to be with support. We need, I needed to be with my family. And my sister was in Iran at the time and my brother had already moved back. So it was just my mom and I here. And so I decided to move back and I did that. And I was in Iran for about a year and a half and I lived that life as an adult and I chose to come back here. Why? There are a lot of reasons um, I chose to come back here, but the this is my home. Mm. This is where I've built my home. This is where I grew up. This is where I've made friends. This is where I went to school. Um, and this is my culture. Mm -hmm. This is who mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't fit in in Iran anywhere. Mm. I couldn't understand there a lot of um, people's mentalities, the way they did things. It just isn't my culture. Um, I, I'm not saying that I lost all my culture and my heritage. No, not at all. But I have, I've mixed in all of that. I've taken what I think makes sense for me, um, from my culture and heritage. Um, and I've built a different one. I've built a mixed culture. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not a German. I'm not uh, Irish. Uh, I celebrate Oktoberfest. I mm -hmm. celebrate St. Patty's Day. I have a mixed culture. I, I celebrate the Iranian New Year's. So I, I do all these things that make sense to me and build my personality. Um, and I have the ability to be that person here mm -hmm. in America mm -hmm. where everybody can be whoever they want. Mm-hmm. And that's the America I know. It's the America I know, too. And that's what we were built on mm -hmm. is this this diversity and the melting pot. And we did share with each other and we shared each other's culture and we blended. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how it's supposed to be. So maybe, you know, one of the many reasons we asked Roxana to be on is just to bring that awareness to the forefront is that's really who we are. Mm -hmm. And whether it's somebody in a specific office in Washington, D.C. or a certain... Uh, political, it's just, um, that's the minority. Mm -hmm. There's more of us. It's like in the, the end of Revenge of the Nerds, mm -hmm. where he says, there's more of us than there are of you. And I truly <laughs> believe that. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. more people that are well, compassionate and open to different yes. cultures. It's just, we don't see that because we turn on CNN or Fox or MSNBC and we, we see other things. Yeah. It's not an <clears throat> us versus them mentality. It's a who we are and yeah. at the heart of us is that's who we are, is we're a blended culture yeah. and we're open-minded and we are diverse and that's how, and again, it's where you grow up and what you see because Todd and I were lucky enough to grow up. He, he grew up in Chicago, but I grew up around Chicago. So I've always lived in diversity. And so it, the other mentality doesn't make sense to me because of, you know, there's cultures in each town too, right? In each city. So 
but to understand that that is our norm. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want is just to get back to the norm. Yeah. Agreed. You know? Well, anything else? Yeah, there was something else you were going to say. Do you remember? I think it, I think she said two things. Okay, so she, she, I think she got, got both it. of her things out. I think it came out all together. Good. <laughs> good, 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 good. Well, what do you think, sweetie? Well, I just think that was a fantastic story, and thank you for sharing it with Absolutely. us. Absolutely, because it's your private life, and yeah. thank you for sharing it with people who listen. And one thing that we know for sure in our own personal lives, and just as a whole, is prox- proximity mm-hmm. takes away fear. Yeah. What that means is if you know somebody who is of a different race, of a different culture of a different, you know, sexual preference, then you're not afraid. You know, if you know somebody who has a different skin color, who then you're not afraid. It's and knowledge. So it's knowledge. Thank you. And it's knowledge and experience. And then you just realize we're all the same. Yeah. And yes. And so you just helped more people understand that. So I thank hope so. You. Well, so. and it's inspiring to me. I mean, you beat a lot of odds to get your butt into this country. And, and our, give to our country. And our country is better because of it. Thank yes. you. So thank you. Thank Roxana, you Roxana, you're awesome. Thank you. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? Yes. If so, then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed, Orly Waba, and Mike Damish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called coaching for guys on the phone skype or in person contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with check out the tribemensgroup.com we would love to have you be a part of the tribe if you ever shop via amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com under support us it doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them. And to all of you, thanks Thanks for your love love and support. support. Keep trucking. (laughs) Bye.